Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 301, and this is our Disneyland trip report. Before we get started, we do want to mention if all of this inspires you to book your next vacation to the happiest place on earth or the most magical place on earth, reach out to our friend Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. She'll set you up, make sure that she finds you something that's within your budget, set you up with everything that you would need to have that magical vacation, and she will hold your hand along the way. And then once you get there, something that she helped us out with was sending us an itinerary, giving us a game plan for how to go in to accomplish as much as you can in the parks. We'll talk about that later today in the episode, but you can reach Hannah by going to littlebitofdisney.com, fill out that free quote section, and she'll get back to you and get that ball rolling or you can click the link down in our show notes. Yeah, so we have so much to talk about. I feel like we were in Disneyland and DCA for three days, but we did so much that we're having to make this kind of like a two-part series. And like Brendan said, today is all about Disneyland, the motherland, the Mecca, whatever you want to call it, because we just have so much to talk about. So we're going to sprinkle in sort of the logistics of getting there, downtown Disney on our arrival day, and then part two, which will drop on Thursday, which will be all about Avengers Campus and the rest of DCA and anything else. We also asked her some questions over on Instagram. So if you you still have time, if you're listening to this, send those in and we will answer those in Thursday's episode. Absolutely. So... I guess let's get started. Let's talk about our travel day. One thing to mention is it was one heck of a travel day for us, but you guys did actually help make it easier by giving us some suggestions for packing. So thank you for that. With the packing cubes, we were able to take just carry-on bags, which was a big help because we had layovers in Denver. Brendan, what did you think about the Denver airport? It's terrible. (laughs) Maybe the rest of it's nice, but at least the Southwest Wing was just bonkers. We did a layover coming and going, and neither time was it enjoyable. Something that we noticed that was very interesting is they didn't have like a food court type of area. It was basically just like the food stands were just spread throughout the waiting areas, like within the gates, and there were no tables to be found. So I don't know if that bothers you. It didn't bother us per se, but I do think it made everything a little more chaotic. Well, and especially, yeah, they, it's a huge airport. So to not have like a dedicated food space, and maybe there was just further down, but we walked past probably 20 or 30 or 40 gates to get the food that we wanted during our layover. But anyway, We decided on this trip, when we talked about it in our pre-planning episode, and it's that we did not want to fly into LAX on this trip, mainly due to 
just by the time that you get there from Orlando, it's so late in the day, it is impossible to get to LA when it's not rush hour. So we thought you're for sure sitting in the car for at least an hour, but possibly way, way longer than that if you fly into LAX to drive all the way to Anaheim, or I say drive, but get there via an Uber or a Lyft. So we decided we were going to fly into John Wayne Airport slash Orange County Airport slash Santa Ana Airport. They call it all three of them. Yeah, they don't really call it John Wayne anymore, but I did notice on the signs as we were driving in that all the signs still say John Wayne Airport. Orange County Airport, I think, is the official name of it now, right? I believe so. But that was beautiful. It was just such a dream getting there. It was such a small airport. It was easy to navigate. And then even, you know, that's where we flew out of as well. And I know we're not necessarily talking about that in this episode, but, you know, it was clean. It was small. There were plenty of seats. You know, it was just, we preferred it immensely over LAX. So if you have the opportunity to fly into that airport, I would make that top priority. And shout out to our friend Kelsey, who warned us ahead of time. She said, you're going to fall in love with it and you're going to be spoiled. And that is exactly what happened. I don't, I can never see myself flying into LAX anymore. Yeah. It seems just almost like an unnecessary headache to do so. And it ended up not even being more expensive. Flying from Nashville, it was going to be significantly more expensive for us to fly into SNA compared to LAX where you can get a lot of direct flights. There's not too many direct from Orlando to LAX, at least on Southwest. I think United and American run that route some, but Southwest, which is what we normally fly, Orlando to LAX is not too common of a trip. So layover in Denver, our first layover was like two hours, and then we flew into SNA. We were out of the airport into the Uber and Lyft area within 20 minutes, maybe. It was a breeze. It was so nice. And then getting the Lyft, I think it took us around 30 minutes to get from Santa Ana to Anaheim and to get dropped off at our hotel. So really... Not bad at all. It took us less time going back to the airport for departure. I also think that is partially because of our driver, but that's another story. (laughs) She seemed a little lost to getting us to the Disney area. But once we did finally make it there, we checked into our hotel. It was a residence inn. Yep. Residence inn by Marriott. And so we timed it out. It was a 15 minute walk from there through security to get into the Esplanade so you could access both downtown or well you could access downtown Disney (laughs) but Disney California Adventure and Disneyland it was not a bad walk at all it's basically Harbor Boulevard is where the entrance to Disneyland is off of and our hotel was basically almost right on Harbor Boulevard there's one building separating it from Harbor and it's not even a full block so Mm -hmm. it It was really easy. It was right next to a CVS, right next to a coffee shop. And from our hotel room, we could see the backside of Cars Land. Now, that sort of makes you sad because you realize how close you really are. You have to walk (laughs) all the way around to get into the park. But we didn't even realize we booked it. We checked into our room. 
Somehow we booked a King Suite. I don't remember doing that. I don't know if you, re- I don't think you remembered doing that either, did you? No, I think the whole planning process was such a blur because we were just trying to pick whatever was cheapest. And somehow, I guess that's what we ended up getting. It was a nice enough room. Honestly, I think the walk is kind of what did it for me. I think it was like the perfect amount of walking. Obviously, if you could get closer, that would be even more ideal. But for us, I think it was kind of the perfect location. There were always a lot of people walking. So you were never alone. Again, kind of like what you said, Brennan, it was a straight shot. So it's not like you could miss it or really get lost, you know. And I liked being by the CVS. We stopped there twice to get like water or snacks. Three times. Sunscreen. Ah, and sunscreen. So we made good use of being so close to that little CVS. And it's right across the street from the Walgreens. So if you happen to be in the hotel that's on the other side of the street, you would have access to the Walgreens. Yes. So I would stay there again. It was around the $250 range, which for being that close, I felt like was a pretty good deal. I I would feel comfortable paying that again, especially compared to the Disneyland Resort prices. That's just, we talked about that in pre-planning episode. It was just crazy. I mean, triple what we paid there. Yeah, so it was definitely worth it. And then it kind of set us up to be able to go back and forth between our hotel and Disneyland pretty easily. And I guess if we're just going to get into it, the first thing we did when we got there was go straight to downtown Disney. Yep, so we walked down to the Harbor Boulevard entrance, got through security really easily, and we had a dinner reservation the first night for 7 p.m., We got to downtown Disney around like 4.30 or 5, I believe. So we had quite a bit of time to explore. So we took some time just hanging out in the Esplanade, listening to the music, kind of pinching ourselves that we had actually made it to Disneyland. We walked up to the gates just to see the train station. And we just sort of hung out. Then we walked through World of Disney, which I... I don't know if this is controversial. It was a little underwhelming to me. They, there wasn't as much variety of merch compared to the world of Disney that we have in Disney Springs, I guess, to really like get me too engaged. Yeah, I would agree. Most of the things that we saw in that store were, you know, the same kind of things that we have here. And it was much smaller, which makes sense because downtown Disney itself is smaller. The only big differences we saw were, of course, like the Marvel section. They had a ton of merchandise there. And then they had a lot more Pixar, I felt like, or at least a big Pixar section. We didn't end up buying anything. You don't think so? Well, I was going to say, I mean, they have a big Pixar section and the one in Disney Springs. It's back there in the back left corner. Oh, you're right. And they have a pretty big Marvel section right there in front (laughs) of the toys. So Okay, well, maybe I stand to be corrected, but I agree. It was a little underwhelming. We didn't really end up finding a lot of merchandise that we didn't have here until we actually went into the parks. But it was fun to still kind of walk around and just look at everything. Yeah, so we spent the next couple hours just kind of perusing around downtown Disney before eventually making it to our dinner reservation at Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. And if you remember from pre-planning, we were really on the fence between here and Tortilla Joe's. 
we decided to go with Ralph Brennan's, I think just because we have access to easier Mexican food in Orlando. And so we decided to branch out a little bit and do Ralph Brennan's. And I'm glad we did. Spoiler alert, it was an excellent meal. It felt a little more special. And I think that was kind of the determination that we came to as we were trying to narrow down the two. It was a cool menu as far as having things that we can't really find here. So we ended up walking in. They were able to seat us just a little bit early. I think still within like that maybe half hour time frame that they can seat you early. But as soon as we walked in, I knew that we were in the right place. They have this like the cutest outdoor seating area with like the wrought iron stairs and like a little courtyard. And then we sat inside in the area where they have the bar and then like a piano set up for like live music. They didn't have live music that day, but they had like the umbrellas hanging from the ceiling and we had a really good waitress. She was excellent. And so highlights from that meal we started with some jambalaya. That was excellent. And then our waitress recommended it was only like a dollar fifty more. You could mm-hmm. get a like a French baguette that you slice it up and it came with butter, which we used a little bit of. But more than anything, you used it to soak up the broth from the jambalaya. And that was excellent. That was so good. And that's why I think our waitress was so good, is because she kind of coached us through some of the menu things like that because she said that most people will order the bread like after the fact and it takes like seven minutes or something like that to toast it up. So then by the time the bread comes, it's too late and then you're in a predicament. But that jambalaya, amazing. I mean, the flavor was popping. It was a perfect amount of spice. And it comes in a dinner portion. I would venture to say that if we went back a second time, I might get that as my dinner. It was that good. It was, and the andouille sausage was excellent, and you would kind of hope that the andouille sausage was going to come with your entree. Ended up not, but it was it was all around good. So for entrees, I got the blackened salmon, which I was very pleased with, and then you got the shrimp and grits. And that was amazing, too. I mean, I'm a big grits fan, and something that I thought was interesting about the dish and the reason why I kind of went with it is it said it also had like a barbecue seasoning kind of to it. So it had a little extra flavor, which I liked. For drinks, I know I got two drinks. I got a hurricane. Catherine always makes fun of me because I, if any place has a hurricane, I or will Or like get a it. rum punch, just like a cheap. you know it reminds me of college exactly what the heck oh it's so good (laughs) it was an excellent hurricane it was huge and then i got a beer i got the abita purple haze which we joked about i literally have it in our fridge right now it's like one of my go-tos but i did remind me and i reminded you as well that they sell that beer at port orleans riverside which is where we stayed when we got engaged in Walt Disney World. So we were trying to be sentimental. But I ended up getting like a lemonade something drink. It was very good. It was like bright pink. So that was pretty fun. And I really enjoyed it. But the highlight. I was going to say this. You're stealing the punchline. Dessert. We initially walked in thinking that we were just going to get beignets because hello, why would you not get beignets? And we looked at the menu 
and they had like a chocolate bread pudding. Double chocolate bread pudding. And then the fine print said, you have to order it ahead of time because it takes 25 minutes. And in that moment, we knew it had to be good. So again, we asked our waitress about it early and she did say that we had to place the order, you know, when we were ordering the rest of our foods, that it would be ready on time. And that was an absolute knockout. Just that's kind of like words to live by or just a motto, I think, in life. If anything says must order ahead of time, just do it. It's always going to be good. They're not going to spend that extra time if it's not good. (laughs) Yeah, it's not just like microwavable. I mean, this was some high quality stuff. It was wow. So we had the discussion while we were eating it of what are some of the best bread puddings we've ever had. And the one from Ohana always sticks out. Now it's a pineapple and caramel based bread pudding, but the consistency is still very similar. I think the one at Ralph Brennan's might actually be better than the Ohana bread pudding. I thought so too. And I am pretty biased because I'm a chocolate lover and I'm not a huge caramel fan. Like even when we get the one from Ohana, I don't pour the whole thing on top of it, which is maybe a mistake. You got to pour it for the gram. Yeah. Do the slow-mo. We do that, but I still don't use all of it. But this one was a 10 out of 10. I mean, if you go to Ralph Burden's Jazz Kitchen, you have to get this bread pudding. So this is probably the last time throughout this episode that we're going to talk about things uh, on a timeline. So we're basically just breaking it up into Disneyland. But if you're actually thinking about our trip, we did go to California Adventure first. But we're going to... We're going to save the best for last. Mm, Someone's a big (laughs) DCA fan in this room. And it's not you? Uh, It's also me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But Disneyland, I do just want to talk about, happened to be our third day there. But what was that like scanning in for the first time? Oh, I mean, it was awesome. It was just kind of like that built up anticipation of I knew there were going to be so many exciting things for us to do that day you know, things that we don't have or even like what we would say the better version or the original version of things that we have here in Walt Disney World. And, you know, I just, I like walking down Main Street. I like looking at all the names on the windows. We liked seeing the train and hearing the train because it was, you know, it blows its horn every so often or its whistle, I guess I I should say. Whoops. But yeah, I mean... It's just kind of like that giddy excitement. I think we made the right decision of not park hopping on the first day and saving Disneyland for like a morning entrance rope drop experience. Now we were running just a few minutes late, but just we, a few. But we did still get in there before the park was officially open and get a, a small rope drop experience just for a few minutes. But I Which think is all made, you really need. I think we made the right decision instead of scanning in. Like in the middle of the day. I agree. I think, again, it just kind of builds that anticipation and it allows you to get like the full day experience. Like I liked the first two days that we were there. We did the one full day in California Adventure. We did one full day in Disneyland. And then the last day we park hopped. And that was kind of how we approached it just because we did think there was enough to do in each place for us. Since we're still on the topic of food with Ralph Brennan's, let's go ahead and talk about all the food that we had in Disneyland first, and then we'll move on to attractions. 
First one on my list was Jolly Holiday. Now, this was a must-do for us on this trip because we did not go there last time. And truthfully, we had some difficulty finding some good breakfast options in Disneyland. A lot of places like Galactic Grill and I don't know where else. Red Rose Tavern did have breakfast, but it didn't look very good. I don't think they did. I know they did. Okay. Because our friends Colleen and Ben pulled it up and they were going to order from there. But we really wanted coffee. That was the issue. This is now a separate topic. (laughs) Disneyland coffee. And I'm talking about the whole resort. It leaves a lot to be desired. Unfortunately, they just don't have a lot of options. And I don't really know why. Because they do have Joffrey's. They had one Joffrey stand in California Adventure And I really don't understand why they didn't have at least one on the Disneyland side. I feel like that would be a no-brainer. But it was basically like, if you want coffee, you can get this crappy cup of coffee from like these quick service places. And for some people, that might be fine. I guess we're a little more high-maintenance. We like a specialty coffee normally. So I guess we are more high-maintenance. But our only option was really... Starbucks. And if you've ever waited at a Starbucks line in Disney, you know how, I mean, kind of annoying and time consuming that is. Like, we don't want to have to wait in the Starbucks line, but we did. And obviously, the coffee was good, but it wait does minute, kind of minute, take. We did? Brendan did. Yeah. So we divided and conquered. So Catherine went to Jolly Holiday to pick up our food. I went to Starbucks. By the time I got through the Starbucks line, you had already finished breakfast. No, I had finished half of breakfast because a few of the items that we're about to talk about, we wanted to share together. So I just kind of had like an appetizer part of the breakfast. So for breakfast, we got the bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, which I think was the best thing that they had. It was excellent. And I... Excellent. I mean... (laughs) I would definitely recommend that as like a quick and easy breakfast option because we were able to do mobile ordering. You know, it was sitting there waiting for us when we walked up. We just told him our name, showed him the little text message, and we were done. And there were lots of seating places for us to choose from, lots of shade with some umbrellas. It was great. The other two things that we got there were Brendan really wanted the Matterhorn macaroon even though, as you pointed out, you don't like coconut. But it was good. It was very good. And then as a last-minute kind of spur-of-the-moment decision, we got the Mickey-shaped macaroon. I have the official name if you want it. Okay. Raspberry Rose Mickey Macaron. Oh, it's a macaron. See, there's a difference. I don't know if anybody else... I just learned this recently. A macaroon is different, different than a macaron. Well, thank you for pointing that out, sir. But it was basically... (laughs) You don't care? (laughs) No, I don't think anyone else cares either. But but it had some raspberries in it. You know, it was kind of like a fresh fruit. It was good. Not a breakfast option, but we still got it. We got it anyway because we were there and like one in Rome. Eat sweets for breakfast. We, out of all of those, I do think the breakfast croissant was the best, but we did really enjoy the... Matterhorn macaroon. It yeah. had a good flavor to it. It is just still, and I know we kind of just said this in a different way. It's weird that Jolly Holiday is such a breakfast place and they don't have 
Like the, even an iced coffee. We were yeah, we were going to be fine with just an iced coffee. I I just didn't want hot coffee because it was already so warm. It was so hot, and our friends Ben and Colleen were there with us, and they got a hot coffee, and they literally couldn't drink it because it was still so hot. I mean, and like I said, we sat there for a long time waiting for Brendan to come back with our Starbucks order, and they just were unable to drink this hot coffee because, I mean, I guess props to Disneyland for making sure that your coffee's hot, but it's kind of like a catch-22. I'm almost curious if Starbucks has some sort of exclusivity deal or something that maybe it's just with Disneyland and that's why DCA can have the Joffrey's. I don't know. Just well, just spitballing. Then someone needs to fix that because, uh-uh. We do have another coffee option to talk about. We can talk about it right now. And that was from Docking Bay 7. That was the Black Calf Cold Brew. And so this is one you might have seen it on Instagram. It is cold brew coffee topped with cream cheese. Cold foam? Yeah. Or is it a cream? Anyway. It's something that's on top. And then they don't call them Cocoa Puffs, but they're Cocoa Puffs. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they have some kind of space name. And this was one, again, we would have got this for breakfast, but it doesn't, Docking Bag 7 doesn't open until 11 currently. So we had to wait and we got it as an afternoon coffee, which I wasn't complaining about. I love a good afternoon coffee. But um, this was one that it wasn't nearly as sweet as you might think it would be with all of those ingredients in there. It was more of a subtle flavor. You really had to mix it up to get all of the flavors to combine really well. I think just because the cream cheese makes that foam or cream or whatever it is so thick, it was hard to really mix it up. But once you did, it it was really good. Well, and also, as I was gonna say, it's it was kind of hard to drink, and maybe it's a me problem, but all those cocoa puffs on the top, like I had to go get a spoon to eat the cocoa puffs off the top because they didn't give you a straw. I guess they're against straws in Batu, but it it did grow on us. I would say at first we were very underwhelmed, like we weren't thrilled with it, but we ended up drinking the whole thing, and we ended up liking it. A decent amount. I mean, I kind of think it's one of those. It's like a novelty. It's very Instagrammable. It's kind of fun. Basically, everyone around us had one. I mean, that's why people were in there at like three o'clock in the afternoon. They weren't eating a meal. They were getting this coffee. So it is just kind of important to note that if you are going to get it in any time in the near future, they are not baristas. They're and so just looking around and judging other people's coffees that they had, the amount of cold foam or cream, I wish I could remember what it was called. Anyway. I'm going with cold foam. Okay. The amount of foam that was on top varied a lot from person to person. So because it's not overly sweet and we like a sweet coffee, I would maybe, you know, it's hard to do that on a mobile order. But I think I even saw them giving little cups of it to people. You could add extra. But I would tell take a healthy serving of that. <laughs> Unless the, you don't like sweet coffee. Because it's sad to say, the worst part of that drink was the coffee itself. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't know what they used, but it tasted like some Folgers. or It tasted like a normal cup of coffee. Now that I'm saying, they didn't really have any other options. Okay. (laughs) So beyond the coffee, 
Let's talk about we ate at Cafe Orleans for the first time. That was at the top of our must-do list because the last time we went over to Disneyland, we had a reservation and then we ended up canceling it because we thought it was going to take up too much time. So this time we went and both of us got mint juleps and Monte Cristos. We had the exact same meal. And what did you think? The mint julep was good. It's just one of those things like you just got to get it when you're in Disneyland. I don't particularly love mint juleps. I loved it. Really? I thought it was the perfect kind of like refreshing because it was really hot. It was like the perfect drink. I mean, it's exactly what you would want. It was fresh and that little bit of mint. There was a lot of ice to make it very cold. I would have gotten two. I didn't realize you were such a mint julep fanatic. I'm not usually, but this one was exceptionally good. And then the Monte Cristos, again, it's, it's a hard meal to eat when it's so hot outside, but we were doing as Walt does that day. And it's an excellent sandwich. Both of us said when it came out, like, okay, we can probably only eat half of this. And then I ended up eating the whole thing. I don't know. I didn't check to see how much you did. I basically ate my one half and then maybe like a bite or two of the others. But to me, the fries were outstanding. They were like a garlic, Parmesan. Palms frites, as the French would say. Palms frites. They were like the skinny fries, which are my favorite of any kind of fry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a whole episode on your fry rankings. Well, these ones would be... Up at the top of my list, let me tell you. Better than crinkle cut? Ooh, I do love a good crinkle cut. But that's besides the point. And then it came with two sauces. So it came with the like the jam that went with the sandwich. And then it came with like a... Roumelade. A roumelade for the fries. And it was almost like a chipotle kind of. I mean, there was a little bit of spice to it. I would say Cajun, it. but yeah. Okay, well, whatever. I mean, overall... Great meal. It was, but the most, uh, I said most, but the most coolest, I'm still going <laughs> to go with what I was going to say. The best part of that meal was that they sat us right next to the espresso machine. And so we shared this on Instagram and some of you may have seen it, but this espresso machine we were especially interested in because our friend Matt from Disney Coffee Blog, who was been, has was a guest on the show in the past, shared the story of this espresso machine. So Walt and his travels especially picked this one out, brought it back to the restaurant, and then there's a really cool picture that was taken in like the last couple months of Walt's life. So one of the last pictures of him alive is him standing, and he's so proud of this espresso machine, it looks like. So we knew we had to make it a point even just sitting or eating at Cafe Airlines that we wanted to see the espresso machine, but then sitting right next to it, being able to view it the entire meal was super special. We tried to even recreate the picture ourselves. And so we will always enjoy having that picture in our library, but they don't use that machine anymore. It's just there for a display. You can just get a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't serve espresso there. They do not. But it was, it was, a really special treat. I would eat at Cafe Orleans again. I like the vibes there, for lack of a better term. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about the last meal, like full meal, and then we'll get to snacks. So we had to go to the Plaza Inn. 
for some fried chicken. And there we did actually share. So we got the what, the fried chicken plate. And it's called the specialty chicken dinner, I believe. Same difference. It came with three pieces of chicken. You had the white meat, the little drumstick, and then a piece of dark meat. And then it came with... That was such a weird way of saying it. It was a breast, a thigh, and a drumstick. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then it came with mashed potatoes with gravy, green beans, and a biscuit. Was that okay? Yep. All of those descriptions were accurate. (laughs) But it was very good. The chicken... Wait a minute. Very good. You kind of just like haphazardly said, oh, it was very good. It I was, was about excellent. to go into detail, sir. Oh, it was excellent. You can't say excellent. There were no eggs. This train is getting off the tracks. I mean, everything was great. It was fried perfectly. The chicken was juicy inside. We basically ate the whole thing. The mashed potatoes I don't typically like mashed potatoes with the skin in them, but they were very good. I like the gravy. It was a good meal. Yeah. Plaza Inn was like the highlight of our last trip, and this was one of the few places that we did a repeat visit to. It's just one of those things. I think every time we go to Disneyland, we're going to have to eat at Plaza Inn. Last time we went there for Minnie's character breakfast, which was probably our favorite meal of the entire trip. Mm-hmm. and we went back for dinner to have the chicken dinner, and I'm glad we did it again. It is expensive. It's like 18 bucks a plate, so I would definitely split it among your family. I think you can – that's a better use. I I mean, considering both of us were able to split it, I feel like most other people would be able to split it because we like to eat a lot. So snacks, uh, we went to the Little Red Wagon. Had to get my corn dog. And what happened while we were eating your corn dog? Something very tragic. We were sitting there at our table. So again, we went to the Plaza Inn to sit at one of those little outdoor tables. We decided we wanted a table with some light because it was dark by the time we got around to eating dinner on this particular day. So we picked a table with no umbrella right next to a lamppost under a nice tree. And as we're sitting there enjoying our corn dogs together, a bird pooped on my leg. And it was very traumatic. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's not all there is to it. <laughs> Catherine freaked out. She thought that a bird had pooped on our corn dog. So she inspected every square inch of all of our food to make sure there was no bird poop on it. And we had to move tables. We did move tables. But the funniest part was as soon as it pooped on you, I like get up and I wiped it off of you because you were still in panic mode. And we look up, and there's probably 40 or 50 huge crows just sitting right above us. So we were in, like, optimal poop zone. But, like, who would have thought that was even a thing? I mean, I know there's a lot of birds typically at Disney because people feed the birds. But, but yeah, we were totally unprepared. I guess we should have known... So my pro tip would be always pick a table with an umbrella or we ended up going up to the porch where there was a solid roof above our head so nothing could happen to us. But yeah, avoid the non-umbrella chairs. Yep. So our meal there, we did get the corn dogs and then they had a bacon ketchup as their specialty dipping sauce that they're currently running. I got that. It was very good. And then 
I, I don't remember this from last time. I don't know if this is new. They made us get the combo. They made us get some potato chips. Which seems so silly. Like, why could you not just give us a corn dog? Yeah, they they that was weird. I kind of forced our hand. We didn't want potato chips. No. But to accompany our corn dogs, we actually had something else from a different location. We walked from New Orleans Square from the Mint Julep Bar to get our dessert. And so we got a three-pack of beignets for our dessert for that dinner. They ate with there. So they were Mickey-shaped beignets with the powdered sugar in the bag. You shake it up. It doesn't get any better than that. I will say, I did feel like they were a little flat. So we only, out of the three, we only had one that had like the nice big air pocket in it. Yeah, that was like super fluffy. Maybe it's harder to get them super fluffy when they're Mickey shaped. I mean, we had them last time, but I guess, I mean, I remember them being good and they were good. Again, you know, it's a beignet. You can't really mess that up. But that was my only thought is that they were a little flat. One other thought about beignets, this is just going back to Cafe Arlene's. Normally you can get beignets there with dipping sauces because they have a condensed menu right now. They actually were not serving beignets there. We planned to get them for that meal. We did. But they said they didn't have them. And those typically would not be Mickey-shaped. Correct. And they just come with, I think, like a chocolate and like a raspberry dipping sauce. So we had to get those from Mint Julep Bar, which we weren't complaining about. It was very good. Last couple of things that we got to eat in Disneyland. Catherine got the Celebration Churro. That was from the churro cart right in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle. That was a must-do for me because it is a birthday cake-flavored churro. I love all things birthday cake-flavored. Even our wedding cake had a birthday cake-flavored tier. And it came with a marshmallow dipping sauce that even had like some sprinkles on it. And the girl working the cash register, when she asked us if we wanted the sauce, we were like, well, duh, of course we do. And Brendan's like, yeah, don't most people get it? And she said, no. She said most people don't get it. I mean, maybe just because it was a dollar extra. I'm not sure. But it was great. You can't get a churro quite like a Disneyland churro. No, we don't even attempt to get them in Walt Disney World. No, and we did see like the specialty churros that we tried last time again. I saw the s'mores churro again in Disney and DCA. We didn't get that one. And they had a cookies and cream one, which I'm sure is excellent in, too. That was in Fantasyland. But yeah, Celebration Churro had like blue powdered, not powdered sugar, just blue sugar. It was awesome. And I think that wraps up food in Disneyland. So a couple of places that we missed that we wanted to go to. We just never got around to. We wanted to go to Tropical Hideaway. We've This was the first time Tropical Hideaway has been open under the refurb and everything since we've been there. We missed that. We really didn't spend too much time in Adventureland, period. We spent the most time in New Orleans Square, which I'm happy about. But even in New Orleans Square, you wanted to try the wedding cake. Yeah, so there's a Constance wedding cake from the French market, and it was kind of... We had to make a decision between that and the beignets, and we decided to go with the beignets. I wish we would have went with the cake. I kind of do, too, just because it's not open right now, but we can get beignets at Port Orleans. I know they're not as good, but we don't have any wedding cake here. We don't. 
And I don't know why. We totally should. They used to have like a little three-tiered wedding cake that we tried. But I think the one in Disneyland looks much better. Yep. So let's talk about attractions. We wrote almost everything that we wanted to, but we just wrote down a couple that we wanted to discuss and talk about. So I think the big ones that really stood out to us, number one had to be Pirates. I think it probably had to do with we just had all those pirate storytelling episodes, and so it's fresh in our minds, but Pirates was just so dang good. Yeah, I mean, wow. It's hard to even talk about how blown away we were, but I particularly enjoyed the cave scenes. I thought those are really cool. I liked just kind of the anticipation and how it tied so well in with um, like the skull and crossbone who's like dead men tell no tales. And he's trying, he's kind of, you know, inching you towards like, you're about to go on this adventure. Once you leave, you know, the new Orleans, the Bayou part of it. I mean, it was just really cool. Even, I don't know. I just think it was awesome. I think I have a newfound appreciation for just how well they were able to use set design on that ride. Because something we talked about briefly in those storytelling episodes, when they did the Magic Kingdom version, they put in a lot of dead space to basically force you to look to a particular side. So they'll put a building really close on your left with nothing really going on to force you to look to the right. Like the Carlos scene is a good example of that. They're forcing you that way. In Disneyland, because they have a such smaller space, the Carlos scene and the auction scene are basically right next to each other. They're only offset by maybe 15 feet or so. And the way that they're able to use like set design to make your eyes follow where they want it to and the directional sound where the auctioneer, it ble- I did notice the last time, you can hear red bleeding into the Carlos scene just a little bit, but they really do a good job of making sure that your eyes are pointed where they want them to go. And it's so interesting because, like you said, in a way they're dealing with less space, but I also think there were more scenes than what we have in our Walt Disney World version. So you even got, you know, like a longer story, like particularly for me at the end where, you know, the city is burning and, you know, the pirates had taken over, I just almost feel like it was a much better story. It was something that even stood out to me in like that first pirate ship scene. You could see the people battling the fort. I don't think we see that here in Disney World. And why did you see that? Why did we see that? Yeah, you would have missed it if I didn't point it out to you. Well, maybe, but I mean, it was, it was just really cool to, I don't know, to see that whole story unfold, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else we can say about pirates. It's just a fantastic ride. And it truly is. It's also what we discovered, the new Splash Mountain, because both times we wrote it, we got absolutely soaked. I mean, like water splashing up into our face. Like, I was dripping. My hair was dripping. Which is crazy because you don't think about that. That drop is just something else. 
Next one on our list that kind of goes hand in hand with Pirates, of course, is Haunted Mansion. This was the first time we ever wrote Haunted Mansion where it's not the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay. And I really enjoyed it. However, I did miss the staircase scene for Magic Kingdom and the library scene. Yeah, I would say, you know, the only thing that really stood out to me about this one is because they had just done some refurb on it, it was much brighter. And I feel like I was able to pick out more detail from like some of the ghosts and some of the different scenes that can pretty easily be overlooked, especially just because it is so dark in there. And if your eyes haven't adjusted, you know, like we've said before, it can sometimes feel like you're just riding in the dark. So I feel like because they had just, I don't know what they did to it, but because the ghosts were a little brighter, I enjoyed that part of it too. So, I mean, we hate to always bring it up, but it is just natural for us since we experience these Magic Kingdom versions so often is just to always try to compare the two of them. I think going into this, because we'd only experienced Haunted Mansion Holiday, I would say, oh, the Disneyland version is so much better. I think now I can almost entertain the conversation that magic might actually be, you know, without the overlay, magic might actually be the better version. I think Disneyland has the upper hand on the facade, and it fits into the story of New Orleans Square a lot better. But then once you get inside, I think the actual ride, scene-by-scene basis, Magic Kingdom has an edge. I could agree with that. Next one on the list is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. This one, there is no discussion. (laughs) The Disneyland version is the best version. And a lot of people will say that the Paris version is actually the best version of it. And that makes me want to ride it so badly because I don't know how you get better than Disneyland Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Something that we didn't get to experience on this ride, but even some other rides as well, were because we did have to wait in line for this one rather than having like a max pass or it just being a walk-on, you know, we were able to see even more. So we really enjoyed that the track and the train itself kind of went over you and surrounded the queue so you could kind of see some of the different scenes more up close and in more detail than you could when you're just riding because you go by so quickly. But then again, once you get on the actual ride, I mean, Big Thunder Mountain is always a long ride, but I mean, you really do get like a bang for your buck. And I felt like it was faster. There were more animals, which I thought was really cool. Smoother. It was smoother. And then that dynamite scene is just so cool. I would agree. Next one, Space Mountain. I think we've been long time saying Magic Kingdom has the better Space Mountain. I think I may be on the opposite team now. Our world was truly flipped upside down. And there were a couple things that play into this life-changing decision So you've made the decision. I'm still back and forth. I want to ride magic one more time just to see if, see if it's cemented in my brain. So there were a few things. Again, this is the first time that we ever got to ride the real, just non overlay version because when we wrote it previously, we went in October and it was the, uh, ghost galaxy, ghost galaxy version, which was a little underwhelming 
we really liked that there was an actual like soundtrack with music. It was kind of, you know, techno. I don't I just really liked it. I like the countdown of actually launching you after you get into the big room. Well, and I like that the whole beginning of the ride, it's bringing you up. So then basically the rest of the ride, you're going down. And I thought that was kind of fun. I just, yeah, it it kind of blew our minds how good it was. The only thing that like I'm still all about magic for, as I do just really like the toboggans. I don't know why I like the single row of toboggans. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to have to climb in and out of those things. And it's <laughs> difficult and you don't know where to put your bag. I just think that's part of the experience. But it was smooth. It was, I don't know. It was really, really good. So I'm going to have to hijack this because I just realized something was not on our list, Brendan. What? If we're talking about roller coasters, the Matterhorn. Oh, I can't believe we forgot it. This was an absolute highlight of the trip. This was a must. I thought you were going to say highlight of my life. (laughs) I guess we could venture that far. But this was an absolute must do for us because we had never gotten to experience the Matterhorn Again, I feel like our anticipation was much higher for this ride because we had done the storytelling and we had, you know, looked at it and studied it and we knew it was going to be herky jerky, but we were totally prepared. Brendan had his strategy, his used car lot inflatable guy strategy. Loosey goosey, baby. Yeah, where you just got to go in and hope for the best, basically. I actually think that was a bad idea. Because some of those turns, my body wanted to go one way and the cart went the other way. (laughs) So maybe not. Maybe a little bit of control. Maybe you need to be like one with the cart. Okay. Okay. But I thought it was awesome. I'm getting like, oh, you've never seen Cool Runnings. Yes, I have. You have seen Cool Runnings. Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking now. But it was such a cool ride. ride. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I loved that you were so close to Harold. I loved seeing his collection of objects. I liked the anticipation of like what's going to happen. It was very loud. He is he's a loud abominable snowman. He was very angry. He did not want you to be there. I feel like Betty is not that loud. Maybe he's just misunderstood. He had those big red eyes. He's, yeah, he's not messing around. He's quite scary. But Betty just, just likes to disco. I loved that it was just gravity. Like going through the water was cool. Brendan even picked up on the way that they stop it is they have to press something and it basically picks the cars up so that they can like check your seatbelts and everything. I mean, it was awesome. It we, was awesome. We did read it twice. We read it once during the day for our first time ever. And then we went back and wrote it. At night in the single rider line, we actually got to ride the other side of it. So we did ride both tracks. A little funny story of when I rode with my family. We both rode as a single person with a family of five, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. It wasn't like a hodgepodge. So mine was a mother and then at least some of them were her kids. And it might have been like kids and friends or maybe all kids. Yeah. Either way, one adult and four children. And we finished the ride and we're about to unload. 
And one of the little boys turns around to his mom or the mom and says, I thought you said there was a Yeti on this ride. And she said, there was a Yeti. We saw him like three times. And he said, well, I didn't see it. And she said, did you have your eyes closed? And he (laughs) said, I don't remember. (laughs) So he definitely had his eyes closed the entire time. Definitely closed, which I feel like would be so much worse. How do you? Kids who do that not get sick. I don't Not know. being able to see where you're going. But did you like riding it more during the day or at night? I liked riding it during the day just because I was able to see more of what was going on. And I mean, obviously, it's a pretty tall ride. So you get some interesting views, even though you're moving pretty quickly. So I preferred it during the day. I mean, at night, at night, it was more turkey jerky because I literally could not see what was coming up next. So that was another difference. The first time we rode it, we were in the very first car, like seats one and two. And then the last time we rode it, we were both in seat six. We were in the very, very back. So I I felt a lot more thrown around the second time. I actually disagree. No. I felt more thrown around in row one than I did in row six. Hmm. Because it was like the Space Mountain effect where you see all the heads in front of you ripping to the left and like you can feel it. You just have like that split second where you can anticipate it. When I I was in row one, of course, I was filming it too. So I was trying to hold my camera. So maybe that (laughs) played into it that I just had no idea which direction we were going. So did you like it more at night or during the day? Probably during the day, just because I liked the contrast between being in the caves and it being really dark and then going outside and it being light and then going back in. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same way about Expedition Everest. I like it at night, but I like more the going in and out feeling of it. Yeah. Last couple attractions we have to talk about. Astro Blasters. There's not really too much discussion here besides it's just better. Being able to take the guns off the carts just makes for a much more enjoyable experience. However, we didn't know any of the hacks for this one. So we both scored really poorly. Really low. I didn't know that on this one you had to pull the trigger each time instead of like the Disney World hack where you can just hold it down. So like the first two rooms, I didn't have any points. And Brendan had to tell me you're not actually shooting your Astro Blaster. Well, and I do, I guess most people have picked up on it by now. We didn't say the full name. So it's not Astro Blasters like the Dumbo style ride. Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters is what we're talking about. Yes. Sorry. And I agree. I think I like the pre-show more. I feel like he, meaning Buzz, explained kind of the purpose of the ride a little bit better. Whereas I think in the Disney World version, there's still a lot of, you don't, I mean, you know what your objective is, is to shoot the targets, but you don't necessarily know why. So I think the Disneyland version did a good job of setting up. You were trying to get the batteries back because we're toys. And if Zerg steals all of our batteries, we're going to have some problems. And I thought there were some really cute things with the aliens. Like at the very end, one of the aliens was holding like the receipt for Zerg and he was trying to return him back to Big Al's toy barn So there were cute little things that I picked up that I have never noticed before. Sticking with that Tomorrowland theme, Autopia. This is the first time we ever did Autopia. 
It's very enjoyable. I actually had a really fun time writing Altopia, but the funniest talking point is that we actually ran out of gas well, in our car. Yeah, I don't know if it was that we ran out of gas or if it just stalled. So it was right at the end. You know, we had an enjoyable ride going around the whole place. I didn't get any of like that black soot on my face, which I usually do if we ride the Walt Disney World version. But we came around to the end and we were waiting to pull up. And of course, it was a little backed up. So we were like four cars deep waiting to be able to pull up to the lane so that someone else could take our car. And I don't know if it was just like we sat still for too long or what happened, but like you could feel it. The car just stopped. The engine was not running anymore. So of course, we had to do like the little embarrassed wave thing and get one of the cast members to come over and she basically like pumped a pedal and it felt like she was like kicking the car. Well, yeah, I think she like kickstarted it. And then she had to mess with something in the back and then it started again. And what we thought was particularly funny is that instead of like taking it off the track somehow or like waving us around to have us park it somewhere else, which I don't even know how that would happen because it is on a track, they just we got out and another family a mom and a little boy jumped in and we were like, best wishes. Yeah. Hope you don't get stuck. The weirdest part of that was, and we didn't even talk about it, the guy next to us just started, he pulled out his phone and just started filming us. It's like, that's a little weird. Don't you Did think? Did he? Yeah. Oh, I and didn't. He just started pointing his camera directly at us. Like, look at these losers who shut who, down. Who lost their car or can't work their car. So we're out there on TikTok probably somewhere. Just oh us sitting there waving. Hello, our car's dead. Well, we were cracking up because we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, yeah, and at first, the poor cast member was like, push the pedal harder. I, I like, know, like I like I had all of a sudden forgotten how to drive this car. There's one pedal, sir. <laughs> I think I got this far. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um. Okay. A couple big ones to talk about. I'm ready. Disneyland Railroad. The railroad. We did not get to do our Grand Circle tour. We did not. It was because we decided to stop in Toontown the one time because we wanted to do Roger Rabbit and we just wanted to be in Toontown because we liked that area. And then the second time it was towards the end of the night and they basically said, this train is only going to go two stops or you can, you know, or you can hang around for the next one, which will go all the way around and we didn't really want to do that. So we basically only did like half of the park. So we never rode, yeah, from Toontown back to Main Street. We we never did any of that. So we didn't Luke. get to do the primeval world. Correct. Which is a little disappointing. It was the first time we rode it, we actually had full intentions to do the Grand Circle Tour. Grand Circle Tour. But... They were running very, very far behind. And even when our train did come, they mentioned, yeah, the train in front of us is having, you know, some difficulties keeping up. So we got to wait here for them to get back on schedule. And so that kind of, we had wasted our, I say wasted, we'd spent a lot of time just waiting for the train to come. Mm-hmm. But at that point, we almost couldn't afford to do the Grand Circle Tour. Which was pretty disappointing because that's like the number one thing that I wanted to do. But it'll just make the Walt Disney World Railroad that much more special when it finally comes back. 
I'm willing to place money on, though, that the next train that I ride that's not in Animal Kingdom will, <laughs> and it's not the Hogwarts Express, will be in Disneyland. I bet we will go to Disneyland again before the Walt Disney World Railroad is open. Ugh. Well, I certainly hope not, but I guess it is a high likelihood. But something that we didn't realize, too, was that with the trains, they have different styled seatings. So the one train, the first train that we rode, it had sideways seating, kind of like the Rafiki Planet Watch train, which was interesting because what we noticed is the people, you know, obviously people get off and then new people get on. But the people who were there, like they didn't scoot over, like you were having to crawl over people and it was kind of awkward and... I thought that setup was super weird because at least when you do Rafiki's Planet Watch, you have to get off the train. Yeah, I didn't like that setup because you can't really feel like the wind either Mm -hmm. because it's blocked from all the other people that are sitting in front of you. Uh, So I don't know. It's fine. We got to ride a train. I wish we got to do the Grand Circle Tour. I wish we got to see the Grand Canyon and Primeval World, (laughs) but... Can't accomplish everything, right? No. But we did something new. We did um, the great moments with Mr. Lincoln. We did. Which was something that we had really wanted to do. It was like a 14-minute show. We knew that it was, you know, something that Walt had worked on himself. And I liked the, like, the spiel that the that the cast members gave before it started um, and even a little show before it worked, before it started, so you could see kind of how they did it. And like Walt wrote the script himself, like it was something that he was really Blaine passionate was about. Oh, yeah. And Blaine Gibson worked on like the bust and the sculpting. And it kind of showed like how they were able to make it so accurate to Abraham Lincoln's face because they had like a copy of an actual mold of his face. One thing that I thought, like, is that common for presidents? Do they just get molds of your face for things often? Seems a little odd to me. Do you want a mold of your face? Is that what you're saying? No, that seems a little odd is what I'm saying. But, you know, it was cool. The show itself, you know, we we wanted to see the Abraham Lincoln. They spent a lot of time building up to it. They did. I was like sitting there thinking for a while, like, are we ever going to get to see him? I actually (laughs) started to think like, oh my gosh, there's going to be another theater. Like, this isn't the only theater. Oh my gosh. They're going to put us into another one to see Mr. Lincoln. That was way different than I thought it was going to be. Now, we've never researched this. We really don't, didn't know anything about it beforehand besides just seeing some pictures Mm -hmm. of the experience. For some reason, I thought it was just a walk up. I didn't know there was an actual theater. And you thought he was just like standing there talking? Yeah, I thought maybe it was just on a loop. Interesting. No, I guess I expected like a show. But we did that. So that was different. The next, another new thing for us was Snow White's Enchanted Wish. Now, you guys will know from listening in the past and from listening to our storytelling episode on Snow White's Scary Adventure that this is an attraction that we both have a real affinity for in all of its different versions, no matter how weird or how scary or how bizarre they've made it in the past. We just love everything about it. 
I thought Enchanted Wish was nice. I still really enjoyed it. I liked that they included some of those old creepy scenes, you know, particularly the scene where she's dipping the apple to make it a poison apple. And then the one where she makes that transition from being the queen to like the old Old woman, um, because that is something that stands out in my mind from all the versions, you know, the Disney world version that we experienced. And then the one time we got to ride it in Disneyland because it is so like startling. I like that they still kept um, like the vultures and little things like that. So it did still have a slight element of fear, I guess, which meant a lot to us that they kept that. But I do appreciate the ending too, that they kind of highlighted, you know, she found her prince and it was very visually appealing. Like it was a beautiful way to end it with all the lights and how everything was changing. It wasn't like kind of what we see in a lot of those old rides and even like what you saw in like Pinocchio's Daring Journey or even like a Winnie the Pooh where it's just like, hooray, okay, it's over. You know, I feel like this one gave like a full ending, which was cute. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to add. We thought that it was funny that the cars were so small. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a small world. This Do you have is, a lot to say here? Um, not really like a lot. I'd say just more of a demonstrative statement of that this is the best ride in Disneyland. It is. I mean, it's magical. I feel like when you ride it to to be able to ride it and to know that this is what they brought to the World's Fair, like this is what Mary Blair worked on. I feel like in this version in particular, it's even more apparent like what her style is. Like it's just for some reason it stood out to me more with like all the flat pieces. I don't I mean it's beautiful. We love that you get to ride outside a little bit. We love the facade. That's even where we watch the fireworks show for the first time because we just knew it was going to be so cool. And when we wrote it, we wrote it at the very end of the night. It was the last thing that we did. And it was completely empty. So it was like we were there alone. And it was awesome. We danced the whole time. We had a fun time looking for the characters, which we really enjoy. I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm being a little facetious when I say it's the best ride in Disneyland, but I almost think I halfway believe it just a little bit. (laughs) It's, It's just, it's so well done. And I honestly, like, I feel sorry for people. Like, maybe the song is a little annoying, but just like the message of it and the history of it and the art of it, it is such a gem. I mean, it is, it's just beautiful. And they even... We didn't go back for it in the little gift shop there. They had a small world board game. Yeah. That we thought was really cute. We should have bought it. We should have got it. But we didn't really have room in our in our little carry-on luggage. And then last thing you kind of already alluded to it is the Mickey's Mix Magic Fireworks Show. So we saw it two nights. We saw it once from Small World and once from Main Street. It's I think it is an excellent little fireworks show. It's like just short enough where you're not 
getting too tired watching it or too bored. It is super upbeat. People are dancing. They pick music that like everybody knows. Everybody's just kind of like hopping around and excited. <laughs> and I liked that people lined up somewhat early, but not overly early. Not hours ahead of time. We even talked to cast members because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't really know where exactly to line up or, you know, where you could line up for one or how early we should try to. And they were like, oh, yeah, just like 15 or 20 minutes. You know, there's no like bad place to watch it. And I think that was pretty accurate. I mean, I liked that, again, you didn't have to carve out like two hours of your night to be able to watch a fireworks show and to be able to enjoy it. But I also really enjoyed, you kind of already mentioned it, the soundtrack. Like, it was just so fun. It was like a techno, like, upbeat remix version. And I don't usually like remixes, but it was so fun. Like, the vibrant colors. They picked some really good songs, but also they used, like, the Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. You do not hear that very often. So I thought that was a really cool choice. But I also kind of made the comparison of, like when you watch a Wishes or a Happily Ever After, it's very like emotional. Like it's supposed to bring out that. I do think it's supposed to bring out an emotion of like you can do whatever you want. Like it's very inspirational. It kind of makes you cry. This one was pure fun. Like it was just a fun way to celebrate being in Disneyland. And like Brennan said, it just makes you want to dance. Like, if you stood there and didn't dance, you are like a zombie or something because it was just so much fun. And you know how every fireworks show, show kind of has a dip of like, oh, are the villains going to take over? Or like a slow part, you know, so they can bring you back up to the finale. The dip in this one is Grim getting ghost. So, like, so there wasn't a, even a dip. Exactly. There is no dip. It's just like 14 minutes of fast. Fun. I thought it was an excellent show. And, I wasn't expecting much, honestly. And to top it off, they have Snope year round, thanks to our girl Elsa. I thought that was a really fun touch. And I also liked having the option to view it from two different places. So like Brendan said, the first night we viewed it from Small World because we just thought, like, how cool is that that they have that ability and then the second night, we opted to watch it um, in front of the castle and particularly on Main Street because they do the whole show. Like they put the projections all the way down Main Street. And to be able to see that when it's not like a Halloween time, because that's the only other time I've ever seen them do something like that, I just thought it was really interesting. And it kind of allowed for you to have a good spot no matter where you stood it's not like oh you know i'm missing the whole thing if i can't see the castle you don't have to see the castle you can just look next to you or behind you and there you go i know i almost was thinking to myself like i would never trade cinderella castle for anything in the world but you do feel like you're missing it if you don't see the front of cinderella castle for happily ever after and i'm sure that will be the case for enchanted when it comes out as well with this, you could you could be facing the opposite way. 
Well, I guess you couldn't see the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> you could be blocked from seeing Sleeping Beauty Castle from the trees, and you're still getting the same show. And I mm-hmm. think that was really cool. I would just encourage anybody, listen to the soundtrack, maybe incorporate it into your work uh, playlist that you listen to during the day, because it was excellent. Very, I, very good. I might have to play it like every morning to start off my school day, just as like a, we just need some fun. And our friend Colleen asked the same question. We didn't know the answer to this. We can probably look it up, but they play Get Your Ears On or Have a Good, 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 Good Time. <laughs> I don't know the title of that song. Yeah. Did that originate in Mickey's Mix Magic or did that originate in the Mix It, Mouska, Dance It show? Whatever. You know what the I'm talking about. The little parade that they do. And I didn't know the answer to that either. So if any of you know... We would absolutely love to figure that out because it was fun to see them use that song. And again, I mean, it just fit in so perfectly. They started the show with that song and then they ended it with it as well. And then you got to love Genie's included, just like in Happily Ever After. But he's funny. He's he's great. You got Genie, Elsa, the Aristocrat, Aristocats, Haunted Mansion, uh, Ubi Doo, King Louie. <laughs> Ubi Doo. Is that the name of the song? I think it's I Want to Be Like You. Whatever. We I feel like everybody Ubi- knew what I was talking about. Last talking point that we have to go over for the Disneyland portion of this series is characters and entertainment. So this is one area. I feel like we were maybe, we had false hopes. And a lot of this, I feel like every vlog, we've watched a lot of Disneyland vlogs recently. Every vlog and every blog and every Instagram post makes it seem like there are tons and tons of Disneyland characters out right now. And maybe we just had bad luck, but we only saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine characters in our day and a half in Disneyland. Although I will say that might still be a lot compared to... Well, no, we, we did actually see more than that. We we forgot to write down a few. Piglet, not Piglet, Eeyore, Tigger, Pooh. I didn't see those. You did. I, saw I was them. Uh, in line at Starbucks. <laughs> but I'm just saying, so we're going to go through all the ones that we saw. But I will say we were running around like crazy people. You even said it yourself. We spent a lot of time in like New Orleans Square. We rode basically every single attraction Maybe like not a few Jungle Cruise and Tiki Room are the only two that I can think of. Splash. Splash. Yeah, we didn't really go into Critter Country, which we do love. But I I do think we spent so much time running around. Maybe that did us a disservice. But I almost feel like if you're running around, that makes you more eligible to see characters. Maybe so. Anyway, we saw Rapunzel and Flynn. Which was really cool. It's the first time we had seen them since we were in the Princess 5K in 2019. Mm-hmm. No, 2020. That was 2020. Uh, seems like forever ago. It so was. we saw Rapunzel and Flynn. They were super fun. They were interacting with kids. The kids were like saying, do you see that? And they were like alluding to maybe Pascal is hiding behind Rapunzel. And so she was playing along with that. So they were really fun. We saw, back in Toontown, we saw Minnie and Marie together. Now, I thought it was interesting that Marie was there, because isn't 
Minnie in the cartoons, isn't Minnie's cat Figaro? Yes. Didn't they repurpose Figaro what... from Pinocchio to Minnie? Well, for being honest, I don't know if they call it her cat Figaro. I think but they it's do. Def- do they? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, but it, so it wasn't that cat. It was Marie back there in Toontown. We only saw them for like a split second, and then Mickey came out. So that was pretty cool to get to see Mickey at his house. And then up at the front of the park at the train station, we got to see Goofy, my favorite Donald, and Dale. I got it. And Pluto. And Pluto. So if you ever looking for a incentive to watch our YouTube videos, here it is. I got a slow-mo of Donald blowing Catherine a kiss. And I love him so much. So you're probably just going to put that on a loop, if I had to guess. Probably. So look for that. And then in Galaxy's Edge, we did see Ray walking as well. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see Kylo. We didn't see Chewie. We just saw Ray. But I also, ha- I feel like I haven't seen Ray in a very long time. I feel like I see Ray every time I go to Hollywood Studios. We usually see Chewie. Do we see Ray? They're normally out together. Hmm. You're just enthralled by Chewie, I guess. Probably. So, a decent amount of characters. I agree. We expected to see some more princesses. We walked over to that area in particular hoping to see princesses, and they were not available. That's where we saw Rapunzel and Flynn, but they were not in the covered area where Mm -hmm. typically it seems like the princesses have been. They were out in the little courtyard area. A couple that I really wanted to see that we didn't, that we know have been out in Disneyland, the Evil Queen has been there where Rapunzel and Flynn were. Mm -hmm. Miguel has been over there near Rancho del Zocalo. We didn't see him. Dang, yeah. And then Red has been out near Pirates of the Caribbean. We did not get to see her. You're right. Yeah, that would have been really cool. So do you feel worse now? Uh, Just slightly. (laughs) But I'm not going to let it take away from anything, but it would have been really cool to see them. And then the last one was Stitch. We saw him dancing with the Disneyland band in Tomorrowland. So it was back there like behind Star Wars Launch Bay where they have the multi-leveled building. And so the Disneyland band like stacked themselves up and Stitch was dancing, but they were awesome. They were dancing. They had like moves when we saw them. They were doing the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, What would you call that? Score. The score. So they were pretending to be pirates. You know, they were very interactive. You could tell that they were happy to be there and they were having a good time. And we, you know, we enjoyed just being able to kind of stand there for a minute and watch them. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much everything from our Disneyland and downtown Disney days. I will say, and I mentioned it at the beginning of this episode, is that we accomplished pretty much every single thing that we wanted to do. And I do think Hannah's itinerary helped a lot with that so that we could at least place priority on things to hit earlier in the day versus things that we could hit later in the day. Absolutely. Space Mountain in particular, we were able to knock that out by rope dropping it within like 20 minutes. And I feel like every time we looked at the wait times, that was pretty unheard of. So I definitely think having that helped. Um, And it even mentioned things like the Enchanted Wish, you know, just everything that would have like a particularly long line 
And then once we kind of got past those bigger things, we were able to focus on some of the smaller things. We didn't even talk about every single ride that we did because it was basically everything. You didn't want to have a lengthy discussion about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? Well, we could. Or the teacups, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, Alice in Wonderland. Let's take a pause just for a minute. Okay. That might be my favorite dark ride ever. It, I mean, it was exceptional. Even, and that's saying a lot coming from you because you do not like Alice, the character or the movie. I do. Yeah, I haven't ever since I was a little kid. It was a little too trippy for me (laughs) being the sensible worry wart that I was. But yeah, I mean, it hits on all the scenes. It is beautiful. Like it's, it's so fun to ride in the Caterpillar and to be able to ride outside that it is so unlike any other dark ride that is out there that it was really cool. I'm going to say something controversial. I'm ready. Put Alice where Winnie the Pooh is in Magic Kingdom. But it, you need the second story, you think, to make it work? I think, yeah, I think it would be a disappointment. But you could build like the similar thing with the Cheshire Cafe and the Mad Tea Party, and that, like, you could build up a little Alice Corner. It would be an Alice Corner, but it would still be a lesser version. Like, I understand what you're trying to do here. But Cheshire Cattails, doesn't that bring <laughs> it up a couple levels? And did you see now at the Cheshire Cafe, they have the jalapeno pretzels there. Ooh, that'll be exciting to go there and try that. But yeah, I mean, we were just thanks to Hannah and her planning. You know, she sent us our itineraries for each day. So we'll probably hit it again when we talk about California Adventure and how it helped us there. But like it was, like Brendan said, it was nice to have at least a game plan so that we weren't like, kids in a candy store, just like ping ponging. We did ping pong just a little bit because of course we got distracted by food and short wait times here and there. In Disneyland, you don't feel as guilty about ping ponging because everything is so much closer. Well, the blisters on my heels would say otherwise. I think I attribute that to the 15 minute walk back to the hotel. Well, whatever you want to say. Or you trying to wear not broken in vans for one day. That did happen. That did happen. (laughs) But overall, I think it was just an exceptional day and a half in Disneyland. I can't really, besides the train, besides missing out on the wedding cake, I can't really think of anything else that I would have done differently. I think we stayed past clothes both times. We got to experience a somewhat empty Main Street and front portion. We actually never walked through the Emporium, which is maybe a crime, but... Or maybe a healthy thing for our bank account. That is true. From Disneyland, did we buy any souvenirs? Um, I think most of all of them came from DCA, actually. I, I think all of them did. I Yeah. So we will definitely have to talk about souvenirs on Thursday. Yep. So again, if you need that itinerary, if you need help planning that Disney land or Disney World vacation, you can reach out to our friend Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. You can reach her at littlebitofdisney.com. Same name, Little Bit of Disney on Instagram or TikTok if you want to reach her that way as well. And of course, you can always click the link down in our show notes. Go fill out that free quote form. Just get an idea. Get a ballpark to get that ball rolling. If you know the approximate time that you want to go 
then you can get that conversation started and get it rolling. And so you can visit these wonderful places like we did. So that's going to wrap it up for our Disneyland day. We are going to be posting very extensive vlogs on YouTube because we did truly try to document every aspect of our trip. Which is maybe a mistake. Well, even if for nothing else but our own enjoyment, I do think it'll be fun to go back and watch everything and see everything that we did because something that I noticed is even between you know, the last time that we got to go and now it's been three years and we were adults and there was still so much that I had forgotten about. So I think maybe if nothing else, it'll help us plan better for our next trip. But we will be back again on Thursday to talk all about DCA and most importantly, Avengers Campus. Yep. So I hope you'll join us for that. I hope you'll join us on YouTube for those vlogs dropping. We thank you guys so much for your support and we thank you for all your messages for our Disneyland trip and interactions and tips and encouragement and questions and everything. We have so much fun talking about this stuff with you. So like Catherine said, we'll be back on Thursday and we will chat with you then. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.